I didn't do this last week. Um, and by I didn't do this last week, I mean I didn't do this cold open, this really cool, totally professional-sounding cold open. Um, look, I was rusty, all right? I hadn't recorded in a while. Uh, I completely forgot, all right? Now, did I realize that I had forgotten the cold open as I was editing the show and I totally could have gone in and added one? Yeah, but that wouldn't have been genuine. And I'm all about being genuine on this show, you know, because it's so professional and it's so going to go somewhere. Yeah, no, I, I just I just didn't feel like doing it. All right. It's our weird world. Our weird world. Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and this feels like more of a normal episode, or at least a start to an episode. Uh, hopefully it will be better than last week. I mean, maybe last week's wasn't even that bad. It felt bad. Like, it felt it felt very underwhelming for my standards. But uh, this week, we're finishing up our two-part series on early Christian martyrs, uh, looking at five different women, uh, Cecilia, Perpetua, uh, Barbara, Agatha, and Agnes. And so, yeah, let's jump into it. Story time. We'll start with uh, Cecilia. And uh, many historians can't actually agree whether or not she is actually a real person. Um, and dates of her martyrdom range between 176 and 235 AD. Uh, whatever the case, historians do believe that Cecilia was a part of the Roman nobility who, despite pledging a vow of eternal virginity, was still forced to marry a pagan nobleman named Valerian. Now, at the wedding, Cecilia sang a song to God in her heart, which somehow granted her patronage to musicians. Like, somehow people found that out, and now she's like this patron saint of musicians. Catholics. Um, when it came time to consummate the marriage with Valerian, Cecilia told him that an angel was watching over them and that uh, he would be punished if he violated her in any way. Um, Valerian, logically, uh, asked to see the angel. And Cecilia told him that in order for him to see the angel, he would have to go to the third milestone on the Via Appia, which was this ancient Roman highway, and be baptized by Pope Urban I. Now, Look, you know, if I'm dating someone and they're like, hey, an angel's watching over us. And so if you try to do anything to me, you're going to be in big trouble. And then I, in response, go, all right, well, let me see this angel. I don't believe you. I think you're a crazy person. And she's like, well, if you want to see the angel, you've got to go out on this highway and go get baptized by the Pope. And at least me personally, I would be like... See you later. I'm going to go find someone else to be with. But Valerian, um, because, you know, as a man, he would pretty much do anything for sex at that point, uh, actually went out there and actually found Pope Urban and was actually baptized. And as soon as he came back up out of the water, he immediately saw the angel standing beside Cecilia and uh, the angel was crowning her with a wreath of roses and lilies. You know, okay, so sometimes it works out. Most of the time, they're crazy. Uh, um, 
So after recruiting Valerian's brother Tibertius, who was also a Roman soldier, uh, Maximus, or uh, okay, let's pause. I misread that. Already off to a great start. Um, So after recruiting Valerian's brother Tibertius and uh, a Roman soldier named Maximus, uh, the newlywed couple and their two new friends were then sentenced to death by Tertius Almachius, who was a prefect under Emperor Alexander Severus. Uh, Cecilia was given three blows to the neck with a sword, but that only partially decapitated her. And although that would still normally be enough to kill someone, Cecilia lived for three more days uh, and even made arrangements with the Pope to turn her home into a church. She's just living with like her head just kind of like dangling off of her body. And she's just still like doing business with the Pope as normal, which is pretty, which is pretty hardcore. Um, when Cecilia finally did die from her head wound, I guess, uh, her body was buried in the catacomb of Calixtus before being transferred to a church in Rome in 1599, or transferred to a church in Rome. And then in 1599, uh, her body was exhumed and it was found that it had not decomposed at all. Whoa! Allegedly. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but that's uh, Cecilia's story. Uh, next one is Perpetua. Uh, and her story is found in the Passion of St. Perpetua, St. Felicitas, and their companions, which is one of the oldest Christian texts that is known to historians. Uh, it starts as Perpetua is arguing with her father, who wants her to denounce her newfound Christianity. Uh, but Perpetua not only refuses, but she runs off to get baptized before being sent off to prison in Africa for being a Christian. Um, she had recently given birth, and she... Quickly, I guess she used that, I guess, uh, to bribe the guards to move her to a nicer part of the prison so she could continue to nurse her child before leaving it in the care of her mother and her brother. Um, Her brother also recommended that she ask God to receive a vision, which came almost immediately as soon as she asked. Sure. Um, During the vision, Perpetua was climbing a ladder adorned with various weapons. She saw a snake at the base of the ladder, but it did nothing as she just continued to climb to the garden at the top. And when the vision ended, her father uh, came to the prison and pleaded with her to reconsider, you know, her whole Christianity thing. Again, Perpetua refused and was brought to her court hearing, and she affirmed her faith and was just thrown back in jail where she then received another vision. This time, her brother, Dinocrates, was totally happy, completely healthy, um, even though in real life he had died from cancer. And... Again, when the vision's over, Perpetua's father tries one more time to get her to recant, but she denied it. So, on the day of her execution, Perpetua and seven, uh, several other martyrs were marched into the amphitheater where they were beaten by a group of gladiators. But when none of those women died, a wild boar, a bear, a leopard, and a wild cow were unleashed into the amphitheater to rip everyone to shreds. Um, again, you know, even though everyone was severely wounded by all of this, everyone still survived. Um, But again, realizing that their time was almost up, the group all gave each other a kiss before the gladiators came and thrust their swords through each of them one by one. Um, Perpetua's gladiator, however, had not yet graduated from stabbing school and failed to provide a fatal blow despite multiple attempts. Um, At this point, Perpetua, who is in a ton of pain and likely probably pretty pissed off that her gladiator just sucked at killing people, She grabbed the gladiator sword and then chopped her own head off. And um, she's considered a martyr, 
even though that's technically a suicide and I think suicide's technically kind of against the law and Christianity or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, but that's her story. Um, next is Barbara who was, uh, the daughter of a wealthy pagan man named Dioscorus, um, who was adamant that no man was ever going to take the, that just that sweet, precious virginity, uh, from his daughter. And to ensure that didn't happen, he locked Barbara up in a tower but eventually, one gentleman caller named Dioscorus, uh, conv- or one gentleman caller uh, convinced Dioscorus, who was Barbara's father, to hand her over for marriage. But uh, Barbara had secretly converted to Christianity and rejected the proposal. Well, one day, Dioscorus had to go out of town. And before he left, he commissioned a private bathhouse to be built for Barbara. And then after he was gone um, and locked her up in the bathhouse, Barbara got the workers to cut three windows into the bathhouse as a symbol of the Holy Trinity. Um, and when Dioscorus returned, Barbara revealed her Christianity to him, and he was not happy about that. Um, Dioscorus drew his sword and prepared to kill her because being a Christian was way worse than having sex before marriage. I, sure. Um, Barbara immediately began praying and then was instantly transported to a valley where two shepherds were tending their flocks. Um, Dioscorus eventually then found the shepherds and demanded answers. How he knew those were the shepherds, I don't know, but he found them. Uh, The first shepherd denied knowing anything and just went about his business. But the second shepherd confessed to everything. And then as soon as he got done talking, he was immediately turned to stone and all of his sheep transformed into locusts. You know, because God. Um Dioscorus then found Barbara and took her to Marciania, Mar, Mar, Martini, 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 it's spelled Martini anus. I don't think that's how it's pronounced, but I, you know what? I'm going to, it's probably Martinius. I like saying Martini anus because that's, that's fun. Roman names are fun sometimes. Um, so Dioscorus found Barbara and took her to Martini anus, <laughs> who was the prefect of the province they were in. Uh, Barbara was tortured and thrown into prison, but by morning, all of her wounds had healed as if nothing had ever happened. Um, When the guards tried to burn her with torches, the flames were immediately snuffed out. Uh, Barbara was eventually sentenced to an old-fashioned beheading, and Dioscorus uh, happily volunteered to take care of it. And Barbara was eventually decapitated by her own father. Um, And at the end of the day, as he walked home, Dioscorus was struck by lightning and burst into flames. So, fun story. For sure. Um, by the way, all of these stories happening in the probably the second around the second or third century, just to give you a frame of reference. Um, next, we'll talk about Agatha of Sicily. Um, and at age fifteen, Agatha decided to make a vow of virginity and rejected every attempt at romance from uh, a Roman prefect named Quintianus. Uh, you know, like Martini Anus. This was Quintianus. <laughs> That's, that's fun. That's, that's, that's fun. Um, I know that's not how you say it, but I'm going to keep saying it. Uh, when Quintianus found out that Emperor Decius was killing all the Christians, he happily had Agatha arrested and brought before the judge because if Agatha wasn't going to marry him and give up that sweet virgin stuff, uh, he was just going to get rid of her for good. Um, also, by the way, Quintianus was the judge. So like, she was going to come before him and he was going to, you know, hand down her sentence. And so he thought that would be a good way to, um, you know, force her to marry him. 
which is like, just go find another woman, dude. Like, give it up. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Quincy Anus, like he still wanted to marry Agatha. <laughs> it just makes me so happy every time I get to say it. Um, and so he felt confident that he can, you know, make that happen now that she was arrested and she was, you know, her life was basically in his hands. However, Agatha continued to pray and continued to refuse to marry him. So in response, uh, Agatha was sent to a brothel where she was raped nonstop for a month. After spending a month in the brothel, Quinty Anus summoned Agatha back to the courthouse where he once again tried to change her mind, make her change her mind. But again, Agatha refused, so she was sent to prison to be tortured. There she was burned, whipped, torn by iron hooks, and then had her breasts ripped off with pinchers. Um, again, third time, Quinty Anus tried to get her to recant and get her to marry him, but she refused. And now look, um... I, you know, different times, different times. All right. I get that. But look, if I'm a judge and I want this girl to marry me and she refuses and then I send her off to be a whore where she is raped nonstop for a month and then she comes back, like I just kind of, I just, I'm not interested anymore, but he still tried to get her to marry him. And then she refuses, so he sends her off to get tortured, has her breasts ripped off of her body, and then she comes back and he's like, all right, will you marry me now? <laughs> like, why do you still want to marry her? She probably looks gross. And she obviously is not into you, dude. So just, you know, count your losses and get someone else. Um, so after this after this uh, latest refusal, Quincy Anus ordered... Agatha to be burned at the stake, but a massive earthquake struck the area, which canceled the execution. Instead, she was just sent to another prison where St. Peter appeared and healed her wounds, including a full breast replacement. You know, Peter just came down and just put his hands there. That's probably offending so many Catholics right now, but just imagine, man, Peter just grabbing a couple handfuls and just, whoom, they're back, you know? Were they bigger than before? Were they, you know, symmetrical if they weren't before? Were they, you know, perkier? Were the, I don't, anyway. <laughs> oh, it's fun when I crack myself up talking out loud to myself. I'm a crazy person. Um, but yeah, uh, by the way, Agatha eventually just died in prison. Like it's a really lame into the story, especially after, you know, Peter's breast augmentation for her. But that's, yeah, that's the end of that story. Uh, the final one, final one we'll talk about today uh, is St. Agnes. Uh, she was born in 291 and was a member of the Roman nobility. Uh, she was raised in a Christian family, which, as you know by now, based on the theme of this book or the theme of this podcast, was not the most popular choice in Rome at the time. And by 304, Diocletian was killing all of the Christians and Agnes and her family were doing their best to avoid capture. Uh, although she was only 13, Agnes already had a ton of male suitors because she was, I mean, at this point, she's practically halfway through her life expectancy, you know, at this point back then. Um, when she rejected all of these offers, the jilted men uh, ratted her out to Diocletian as a Christian. She was taken in front of Sempronius, the prefect of her region, and was conten- condemned to be dragged naked through the streets uh, all the way to the town brothel. Uh, when she arrived, a group of men gathered around her and prepared to rape her. And Agnes began to pray, and then her entire body became covered in hair. All right. Now, 
look, let's talk about some things here. Let's talk about some basic human biology, all right? 13-year-old girl, got to think she's probably, maybe she's already gone through puberty or in the process of going through puberty. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, feminine shaving going on. She's probably already kind of hairy. But then she prays and becomes super hairy, all right? And not just that happened, but the men were struck blind and the prefect's son dropped dead. And Agnes was like, wow, God, like, I appreciate you saving me, but that might have been a little too much. All right. We may have, we we could have just had everybody go blind, but now I'm like a wolf girl and this kid is dead. And so she prayed again. <laughs> And the the son and the prefect's son was resurrected, but everyone was still dead, and I guess she was still very ha- very hairy. Uh, the prefect prefect's son, who was grateful to no longer be dead, then immediately ordered Agnes's release. Um, however, she was eventually sentenced to be burned at the stake for being a Christian, but the wood refused to burn. Uh, the presiding executioner, who just baffled by the lack of fire, just decided to decapitate her instead, and that will end our stories. So there you go. Uh, early Christian martyrs, uh, 10, I think it was 10. I think we did five last week, um, nine or 10, whatever, uh, different, just random stories. All of these women, uh, here, have been canonized, I believe as saints. Um, so there's that. And, uh, yeah, I, I, you know what, let's see what we learned. What did we learn? Number one, uh, apparently, uh, back in Roman days, the only thing worse than losing your virginity before you were married was being a Christian, which is kind of ironic considering, uh, that a lot of Christians think that the worst thing that you can do as a Christian is to lose your virginity before marriage. But, you know, I don't know, maybe there are worse, there, there are some worse things to, to probably focus on rather than who's sticking what and where, but I don't know. I'm just a liberal, I guess. I don't. Anyway, um, <laughs> number two, uh, ladies, if you're about to get raped, pray, and maybe God will cover you in hair, and it'll work. I don't know. Give it a shot. Uh, and number three, uh, pretty pretty hardcore that um, Perpetua. I think it was Perpetua, just grabbed. Uh, yeah, just grabbed the dude's sword who couldn't do it himself and just chopped her own head off. She's like, you suck at this. Give it here. Whop. That's pretty sweet. That's Those are the kind of stories that are pretty cool. Next week on Our Weird World, we are going to look at a handful of demented doctors because I love alliteration. It's going to be fun. Um, crazy doctors from history, um, whether it's just experiments that they tried or just the way they did things. 
Uh, we'll look at the stories of Robert Liston, Leo Stanley, Ilya Ivanov, and John Cutler. Um, it's probably going to make you super paranoid uh, to go to your next doctor's appointment, but um, as you'll probably find out, if you're white, you probably don't have anything to worry about. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be one of those episodes next week. So, get ready. Thank you all for listening. Keep telling all your friends and keep it weird.